0: Um, you know what I've not stopped listening to pretty much since the last recording? Peacemaker. No. In excess. It's got nothing to do with the recording. It's just that for some reason, I've like in the last few days, I've really got into listening to it in excess.
1: That's Michael Hutchence's band, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. I'm hoping there's like a documentary or a, or, a, or a show about them or something on... Oh, there's bound to be.
1: The way he died, there's got to be something, surely.
0: It's pretty much the way I want to go.
1: The, the asphyxie mm, was,
0: wank, yeah. If I have any, if I have any <laughs> cool. choice, if I have any, <laughs> if I have any choice in the way that I go, um, that's the way I want it to be.
1: Yeah, there is Mystify Michael Hutchins available now on the BBC iPlayer. Yeah, so you've got something you can watch about him. Mm. Are they Australian? This yeah. Me. Why the asphyxie wank? Why is that the uh, the dream way to go?
0: Just doing something I love. (laughs) (laughs) Nicholas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors.
1: Hello, and welcome to fighting itcher main man anti Gillard here hope everyone's keeping well in the world right now
0: what a matt guy here hope everybody is very well and pleasant
2: very well and pleasant indeed hello everyone
1: fellas the first nick cage film of 2022 honeymoon in vegas for some reason i keep forgetting the title of this film even though <laughs> i've got it written down in front of me um are we pleased that this is the first one to kick off the new year? Stu? Absolutely. <laughs> Matt, you look less impressed.
0: Um, I did exactly the same thing as you. I kept calling it other things and I kept searching like honeymoon in paradise. Yeah. It just kept, that kept being the thing I kept searching for and um, no, it wasn't that at all, was it? Nor no. was it paradise to watch. <laughs> well. is,
1: is this something either of you pair had heard of before?
0: No, not for me.
1: Sure. I,
2: I'd heard of it because of the James Kahn thing Because it was filmed in Hawaii And then Scott Kahn obviously was in Hawaii Five-0 So mm. say what, I'd heard of it that way Not through the fact that it was good or not
1: Yeah I mean, I, I didn't know the name of the film But as soon as I saw the, like the video poster That would have been on the VHS It just unlocked a memory of being in the spa When I was about 10 years old And I just remember the case of this video That was... Turns out to be Honeymoon in Vegas. So I sort of know it, but don't really know it. Uh, looking at the cast, though, obviously you've mentioned James Caan. He gets top billing in this film. I mean, I know he's the biggest star probably in 92, but he's not really the focal point of the film. Would you say? Yeah, but... I would have thought Cage, but... Drew Barrymore had top billing in Scream. <laughs> good point, good point.
0: Where was, uh, where was SJP in her career at this point? It was, um, was Hocus Pocus out by this point?
1: No, Hocus Pocus would have been mid-90s, maybe. And uh, This was very early. So she was like 92 when this was released. Oh, okay. So she was uh, 26 years old is what I've got in my notes on this one. So it was, must have been quite early doors for her.
2: She, I was very conflicted by this because she doesn't look like equestrian in this at all. <laughs> she actually looks quite nice, and I thought, oh, oh no, I know I, I know what she turns into. But I, I was in I I mean, an existential crisis against myself, thinking, yeah, she is quite fit in this, but then she isn't within 10 years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, just looking at her career, it started in... She had an uncredited role in a 1974 thing, but I mean, that's by the by... So, really, her career started in earnest in probably about 82, so a decade on by the time this film comes out. Mm. Flight of the Navigator is probably the film that we may (gasps) know her from. She must have been a kid in that. Well, that was 1986, so you're looking at 20 years old. Flight of the Navigator is
2: amazing. We should do that anyway, just for the sake of it.
1: I mean, amazing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know.
2: I haven't watched it for about 25
0: years.
1: Same. I think I saw it at the cinema and yeah.
0: Mm, It just seems like amazing in the same way one of the girls at work today brought in the new amazing TikTok trend of doing like overnight oats with Weetabix and I tried it and it wasn't amazing. Mm. Not at all.
1: I remember trying that. It wasn't from TikTok, but many years ago I did Slimming World and they were saying, oh, you can have Weetabix with a Muller yoghurt.
0: Mm. I, I tried it,
1: and it was just dry as fuck with yoghurt on top. I'm like, this this doesn't work. This isn't it. Well,
0: this was like an overnight oats thing. Now, I like overnight oats. I think overnight oats are decent, but the Weetabix just ended up being like slop.
1: Oh, uh, right. Okay. And I,
0: like, if if I ever lose all of my teeth, it will be ideal. And I do want to get my, pro, my protein in. But until <laughs> then, not required.
1: Not for you. Uh, The director, that's actually the writer and director, Andrew Bergman. It's a name which I didn't recognise, but then he does have a few hits under his belt. He wrote the screenplay for Blazing Saddles, Fletch and the Marlon Brando film The Freshman. Brendan Fraser's The Scout. He also wrote and directed this and a future Cage Fighting episode, It Could Happen to You. And most famously, Striptease. So he's got a few um, like fairly well-known, maybe not hits, but you know, films that everyone has probably seen at one point. So he's got something of a pedigree. So MDB describes this film as "Commitment phobe Jack loses a big fortune in Vegas to a professional gambler who borrows Jack's fiance Betsy for a getaway as collateral. But when Betsy starts falling in love with her captor, Jack must summon his courage to win her back. Jack, if I go, I want you to make me a promise. That you'll always love me. Of course, Mom. And you'll never get married.
2: I need a commitment. I want to be married. I can't walk Jack Singer
1: has made his decision.
2: Let's just do it. Get on a plane, go to Vegas, and do it. Now.
1: Jack is going to get married.
0: You're serious? I must
2: be. My
1: legs are paralyzed. But a funny thing
2: happened on the way to the wedding. Sorry, man. Straight flush to the Jack. To the Queen. Wise men say. Yo, Tommy Coleman, $65,000. Only fool, rush Eddie, do you have a solution? I do. I want
0: your girlfriend for the weekend.
1: You brought me to Las Vegas and you turned me into a hooker, Jack!
0: I'll be a perfect gentleman.
1: He's taking me to Hawaii. No!
0: address is near Kapa or is it Kapa or Kapa A? And if you wanna leave, believe me, I understand. Is it AAA or A A-A?
2: A? It's just a little overwhelming, you know, to be pursued like this. What about near where Don Ho or Jack Lord
0: lives? That must be a pretty good neighborhood. Boy oh, the women when they come here,
2: oh they get crazy. They like freaky freaky all night long.
0: No one ever was as crazy about you as I am. Well that's just so wonderful to hear just fly to vegas and get married and come on with our lives just get me anywhere where i can get a connecting flight to las vegas las vegas anybody come on hop aboard we're the flying elves is utah listen, my soul.
1: the king may be dead but jack singer is not far behind
0: listen if you could just drop me ah! oh yeah yeah we'll sure
1: drop it honeymoon in vegas Jack, that will be Nick Cage, walks into a hospital where his dying mum tries to hound him into promising to never get married. He tries to talk her out of it, but before he can, she dies. Jack screams, I promise I won't get married in the hopes that she will come back to life. Four years later, we catch up with Jack. He's a commitment-phobic private eye, making money off spying on cheating partners to help their divorce proceedings. This proves to Jack that his mother was right. And that marriage is for suckers. So, gentlemen, is marriage for suckers? <laughs> Either no of you want to put your neck out? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, nothing's changed. So, are relationships for suckers? I don't know. <laughs> they make certainly make it out in this to be the case. But I liked how this started out It had like airplane vibes about it, yeah,
1: yeah. Didn't it?
0: Like it had like that kind of vibe. Like the way he's taking photos was like so comedic in his like like over the top actions on how he was doing it, and it felt it felt quite slapstick, which I must admit I did enjoy with his um
2: like man from Uncle camera as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) And like how his how his mom died as well. It looked so over the top.
1: There like she was. was legit perfectly fine one second and it was almost like she farted and dropped dead. It was, <laughs> it was comedic. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like all great private eyes, Jack gives us a voiceover. Why do private eyes always feel the need to give us a little bit of narration off the bat? It's such a silly trope to have in a film. Jack tells us that he's dating Betsy, which is Sarah Jessica Parker. He tells us how much he loves her and how wonderful she is but he needed therapy to get over his mom and his fear of marriage. Betsy says that she will wait for him. A year later, Betsy starts to distance herself from Jack. Jack gets some advice that if he loves her, he should just marry her. Betsy, oh, sorry, Betsy pressures Jack. She wants a family and kids, which I'm pretty certain you can do without being married. <laughs> but that's just some toxic bullshit that I'm pretty sure Sex in the City would bash her for in later years. Jack proposes and then they fly to Vegas to get hitched. They arrive at their hotel and there's an Elvis impersonation convention going on. After spotting Betsy in the foyer, local scumbag high roller Tommy, which is James Kahn, invites Jack to a game of high stakes poker and manages to hustle Jack out of $65,000. sixty-five grand, which Jack does not have. Tommy offers Jack a chance to clear his debt. Tommy wants a weekend with Betsy to forgive Jack of the debt. So that's thirty minutes in. We're a third of the way through the film. Matt, what are your thoughts on the opening salvo?
0: Well, to be fair, you know it, it doesn't hang around. It's not. It's not boring. It's just. It's just. It's so throwaway and disposable. I pretty much forgot majority of what you've mentioned and i watched this film about two hours ago <laughs> like it's so not challenging on the eyes brains and ears that um it it's it's the epitome of sunday afternoon watching isn't it mm. sunday afternoon hangover watching where you just need you need white noise in the background um yeah one of the worst um games of poker i've ever seen committed to film as well
1: it is horrendous um, yeah
0: and I know that it's because they've got all these characters in there and they're just you know it's it's slapstick as fuck, and that's absolutely fine. But as someone that enjoys playing poker, it was it was a tough watch.
1: <laughs> Stu, what are your thoughts on the opener?
2: Um similar, I guess. It, it was it was just comfortable. It was like it was like the TV like the film equivalent of wearing nice slippers. It was just nice. <laughs> and I mean, when they there were times in this first half hour where I would just giggle to myself. See, it wasn't like belly laughs. It was just like smirking. And yeah, yeah. It was just really pleasant and nice. And then like you had Asian Elvis <laughs> just <laughs> randomly singing. <laughs> uh, yeah, just very, very nice.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think they did a good job setting up the characters. They gave us their motivations and then gave us the... Twist that the next era of the film is going to play out to. I think you can't really go far wrong with that, to be perfectly honest, in a a 90s-based rom-com. They did as good as you can expect, to be perfectly honest. Betsy goes apeshit at Jack when he tells her about the 65 grand and that Tommy wants to spend a weekend with her. She accuses Jack of making her into a whore. After trying and failing to get the money, she eventually agrees to spend the weekend with Tommy. At first, Betsy is hard-faced and believes that Tommy set Jack up because he had a one in a three million chance of beating him. After originally hating Tommy's face, within the space of ten minutes, she's decided that she's going to go to Hawaii with him and leave Jack behind. I, like, I, I know it's a bit silly and we've got to move the plot along, just, It was just a little bit too quick for me that was.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was, um, uh, I don't want to say jarring as if this was a piece of a film that deserves any form of artistic merit, but it was just a little bit like, okay, let's just, just, we need to keep up the pace of the first half an hour, so we better keep this moving as quickly as possible, much Mm. to the kind of chagrin of the viewer. Mm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just think, like, we know he's got a weekend with that. They could have had even just a two-minute montage of a couple of dates on the Friday night, the Saturday morning, Saturday evening, and then they go to Hawaii just a little bit. But I suppose I'm just um, being a little bit picky there, maybe. Yeah,
2: I think when we had the um, the talk of what happened um, in his past with his dead wife and all this stuff, mm. that was kind of – it didn't seem out of place, but it was um, like a nice scene setter, but there wasn't enough of it. Mm. Because she went from, well, you said she went from hating him to sitting down for a meal and then listening to his inner thoughts and feelings. And then minutes later, it's let's get in the limo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then once they get to Kauai, within a few hours, she's starting to fall madly in love with Tommy. Tommy tells Betsy that Jack is a loser and that she deserves better, even after he has admitted to cheating to winning the card game. And then she kisses him. (laughs) So she was mad that Jack has pimped her out, but she was okay with being a whore, in her words, for Tommy. Mm. The lying, cheating, manipulative man who wanted to whore you. Like, these men are both kind of scumbags, and she's an idiot. After seeing Tommy and Betsy on a news report about an exploding volcano in Hawaii, Jack flies to Kauai, Mr Miyagi meets him at the airport (laughs) and he plays a cab driver who has been hired by Tommy to keep Jack away. I really like seeing Mr Miyagi. I don't think I've seen him in much other than Karate Kid. So it's kind of nice just to see him do something a little bit sillier than what you expect him to do. Mm. Whilst all of this is going on, Tommy begins to tell more lies to Betsy, namely that Jack only owed him three grand, not the sixty-five as he had told her. Upset and betrayed, Betsy accepts marriage proposal from Tommy, (laughs) which is a bit naught to (laughs) 60. She tells him that she wants kids soon. He says, just tell me when. So, (laughs) so Jessica Parker was 25 when this was being filmed, and James Caan was 51 during filming. And he looks every day of 51 at this point, to be perfectly honest. It's a bit much. Okay, so, serious question. Are people this desperate to get married that they will accept any old fucker's proposal? She's known this cunt for like two days at this point, and all that she knows about him is that he's willing to lie and cheat and actually buy her company. Like, are people really this desperate or is it just silly nineties fodder?
2: You gotta you gotta put it as a time and place as well for this. I think this obviously there is cases where like some women are desperate to have the the fifties the fifties dream life and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but you got you just got to think back to the, the Jerry Springer era of the kind of mentalists that went on there, and they were all about oh let's get married early and all this kind of thing. So maybe I mean we were too young to know, even you were too young to um, kind of <laughs> be uh, aware of these kind of things at the time. It does seem a lot different now to what it was then. Mm. I mean, it, basically on the late 90s and things like Friends and stuff like that, where they were, even that's a few, what, four years, three years later, that w- they weren't all desperate to all settle down and get married, was they? And that was the biggest show in the world. Mm. So I think, because did we even find out what she, what her job is in this? She's teacher. Kind of, teacher, yeah. kinder- yeah. kindergarten. Mm. So there's there's no real need. She doesn't need to rely on a man or anything like that. So it doesn't really make any sense at all.
1: Mm. Matt, is this a product of its time? Could this be made now? Do you think, or is there something a little bit amiss?
0: Um, well, I think there's always the there's always the tale in going back as far as film begin of films that were made of rags to riches. Or kind of like the Aladdin tale. I know that you know of the poor pauper and the the rich emperor who wants to woo the, you know, all that kind of thing. So that that's always existed in terms of like her being desperate to get married. I mean, I mean, you only got to look at the Tinder swindler.
2: Oh, what a, <laughs> what, a what a film
0: that is. Do you know what I mean? Like some some women um, and some men, but you know are so desperate for attention. They can be very blinded. And, and obviously mm. in this case, you know, that's that, that's that's no different with this. So um, I don't think it's so much a product of its time, but it, or is it just lazy script writing? <laughs> Probably a bit of both.
1: Yeah. To just completely change the topic now, the Tinder Swindler. I keep fucking mispronouncing it. The Tinder Swindler. I was going to save it and discuss it on the next question, cast, but now you've brought it up, I suppose we may as well. Is it just me who felt no sympathy whatsoever for these people?
2: Yep, 100%. They're so thick, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I applaud the bloke. He's, yeah, you are The level of intelligence and planning and, and schemery that's gone into making this life work for him,
1: is a genius. It's next level, isn't it? Like, it's evil genius, but it's genius nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you I, think- that, that first woman, I can't remember her name, but the Norwegian girl, she'd met him three times by the time that he'd got 30 grand out of her. <laughs> insane. Did you enjoy it, Matt?
0: Yeah, I did. I did. But I mean, I, it's just different worlds, though, isn't it? I mean, for him, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. But, you know, if Sam owes me a fiver, I'm getting that fiver back by the end of the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. we just, we, you know. Some people are playing checkers and other people are playing chess. It's just these different worlds.
1: I, I thought it was really good. I really like the fact they put it into a two-hour film rather than dragging it out across six mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah, I be think it, do it worked a lot better that way. But yeah, a very good series. And I know you've not seen "Don't Fuck with Cats," have you? Either of you? Uh, nice?
0: I haven't, only because I like it was something like Sam won't watch it because she doesn't want to see the the animal abuse mm. stuff in there. Um, so, when I told her about Kurt Zuma today, um, to put a timepiece on this episode, <laughs> yeah. she was absolutely horrified. Yeah, I, mean, I, can I can't believe that fucker's playing. Uh, unbelievable. I thought they'd, like, suspended him
2: indefinitely. No, yeah, they said they'll deal with it internally. That's all they said.
1: Hmm.
2: And then West Ham being West Ham, of just putting, just naming to start. I mean, fair play to the Watford fans singing RSPCA. <laughs> <laughs> at him, which just apparently happened, but... Yeah, hopefully his legs broken by the time you hear this.
1: Yeah, uh, but no, don't fuck with cats. Is good and it it doesn't show you the animal abuse, but it takes you right up to like the second mm. before it's uncomfortable, but it's not beyond the pale because I struggle with that's like literally my line in film is animal abuse. I, that's the only thing.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure I can. I'm not sure I can stomach that.
1: Now I, I get it because, like I said, he's you know what's going to happen. You just don't see it, which is. Arguably, maybe even worse than actually seeing it. I don't oh, okay,
2: know. I'll, I'll give it a go then.
1: It is excellent, though. It is very, very well made. Anyway, back to honeymoon in Vegas. <laughs> uh, Tommy and Betsy leave to return to Vegas. Jack finds out what is happening, so he races to the airport to try and get to Vegas. He cannot get a direct flight, so he ends up being San Jose. Another of Tommy's employees tries to hold him up. So Tommy also owns somebody who works at the ticket place in San Jose. (laughs) Like Tommy's a gambler, not a gangster. This is a bit weird to have people on his payroll all across the US. (laughs) It's strange. Anyway, uh, Jack is lucky enough to find a group who are about to leave for Vegas. They are a chapter of the Flying Elvises, a skydiving team of Elvis impersonators heading to Vegas for the convention. It's not until their mid flight that Jack realises that he will have to skydive into Vegas to see Betsy. Meanwhile, Betsy is having second thoughts. She asks to delay the wedding. Tommy responds, I will give you half a million if you go through with it. After telling him to piss off, he grabs her and assaults her in the middle of a, a busy casino and then offers her a million dollars. She tries to escape while she's running away from Tommy. She hits directly into the landing site of the Flying Elvises, just in time to see Jack land, who is now dressed like Nick Cage's former father-in-law Elvis. They reconcile, get married, with Jack dressed as Elvis in front of all of the Elvis impersonators. The end. It's just a nice little fill. So the budget on this bad boy was $25 million, which seems quite high for an early 90s film with no real like CG or anything involved in it. Um, the box office, though, it got $35 million back. So it washed its face, and, and a little bit, really. I suppose it was a relatively low-risk film, which did have a couple of rising stars and James Caan in there, so why not? Compared to 1992's other big hitters, So Aladdin was top of the worldwide charts with 346 million. Then we've got Home Alone 2, Batman Returns, Lethal Weapon 3 in places 2 to 4. So we've got a few sequels, which is sort of what you expect. And in fifth place was A Few Good Men. Uh, The rest of the top 10 was filled out with Sister Act, The Bodyguard, Wayne's World, Basic Instinct and A League of Their Own. It's quite nice to see a box office that isn't just chock full of pre-existing IP. Mm. Like the modern day, you're going to get nine Marvel films and a DC film more than likely in your top 10. So it's quite good to have something different. What's a league of their own? The, I think it's set during the war, baseball, but it's the women baseball with um, Gina Davis, Madonna, Tom Hanks.
2: I've never seen that.
1: It's all right. It's not bad to be fair. Even looking at that list, though, apart from not having a load of IP, it's also got quite a few films where it's like good representation of people of colour and women, and you've got a couple of animated films up there, comedy, drama. Like You've got a bit of everything in that top ten, which is just really refreshing to see, and you don't get that any longer. Uh, before I give you the scores, what do you think the scores will be, out of ten or out of a hundred? Matt?
0: Um, I'm, 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 I'm middling from the critics, because I don't think it's offensively bad at all, so probably like 5 out of 10 for the critics, and probably 6 out of 10 from the from the audience, or 60 on the tomato-ometer meter. Stu? Yeah, I think pretty
2: similar. 60, 60 critics, and then... I'll, I'll go a bit higher than that. I think I'll go a bit... like. High 70s for the for the the uh fans just because it's just nice and fun and there's nothing be to be it's... there's nothing to be offended about in this film at all
1: mm-hmm. yeah uh, imdb is a 5.8 the meta score is a 62 now this is the one that surprised me so you've got your rotten tomatoes critical and audience the critical is a 64% the audience score was 35 Wow. what? when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes it's literally did you like it yes or no I can't believe that like what 65% of the people said they didn't like it I wouldn't I didn't no one loves this film surely but I wouldn't say it's dislikable no. so I'm a little bit shocked at that so the critical response Joseph McBride from Variety he said that writer-director Bergman has a rare talent for intelligently can. Conceived farce, and he has plenty of fun with the premise. Roger Ebert, the plot is dumb enough for it to be a sitcom, but Bergman isn't dumb enough to make it one. He has a way of finding comedy in the urgency of driven characters. And David Nusser from Real Film, an engaging if overlong rom com. I don't think it's overlong, like it's 90 minutes. I don't see how that's an overlong movie personally, but So the critics were generally positive on it, if not outright over the top with their praise. Uh, However, those maniacs at Amazon.com gave (laughs) this a 4.4 out of 5, with a staggering 80% of users giving it 4 or 5 stars. Juan M gave it 5 stars, saying, One of the all-time great Nicolas Cage comedies. Worth it just to see a gang of Elvis impersonators who parachute en masse out of an aircraft over the Las Vegas Strip, at night, with all the glittery little lights in their rhinestone costumes. I think he's more interested in the Elvis costumes than he is anything else. <laughs> McDave didn't like it, though, giving it one stars. Sarah, I look like a parrot, Jessica Parker. <laughs> an average film, anyway. That's literally all he said. And finally, Amina went with four stars, and they said... This is a classic modern-day love story set in the exciting but seedy world of Las Vegas, where love overcomes all the obstacles that get in the way. The skydiving Elvis's scene will go down in history. <laughs> <laughs> it's A little bit over the top, but I'm glad they liked it. Uh, so, can you give me your good, bad, and crazy, Stu? Starts off
2: the good that it, it was thoroughly enjoyable. I really... It's not like Valley Girl. I mean, let's be serious here. But it's... I thoroughly enjoyed myself watching this from start to finish. And even in terribly shit films, that gets annoying. Like, obviously, Eternals last year annoyed me. This wasn't that good. You can't say, oh, yeah, this is like 8 out of 10. Although... If don't look up can get Oscar nominated, who the fuck knows anymore? Yeah. Um, but that's the, the good part. Is that it's a good, it's a good fun film. It's not, it's not a, an all time love story. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> gambling a, giving your girlfriend away for the weekend to uh, settle your debts is, uh, is a classic tale. Um, but yeah, I'd. It's rare that you get a film like this that's silly bollocks that you actually enjoy all of. And I did. mm I mean, the, the bad the bad, I was straight into it was what we mentioned earlier, how there were certain parts of that it skipped over way too quickly. And it yeah. could have been it could have been another 15 minutes long, and that wouldn't have been too much. Just a bit of even the um the very nineties folding um transition screen wipe thing that came <laughs> up a few times. It, what, why are you doing this? It's not like a club shop video. That you, the season <laughs> review that was that was a bit annoying and dated it a bit for me. Um the, the, the crazy was just seeing. I mean, that obviously for me being a fan of Hawaii Five O, seeing James Caan on where they filmed for Hawaii Five O <laughs> with his son, and they're looking at. And it, it was just surreal for me. And the, and the fact that he, he doesn't look
1: that much different to what he did in Elf <laughs> a whole 10 years later. Like, to be fair, James Connor's has looked about 55 <laughs> since he was born. Like, even his early roles in the 60s and 70s, he's always looked that age. <laughs> Matt, what have you got to say on this one?
0: So the good for me was the runtime, really. Um it was just the right side of uh, passable in terms of. It, it, it didn't fly by, but at no point was I bored to the point where I started clock watching or checking how long VLC's got left. Do you know what I mean? So it, its runtime was pretty much spot on for me. Um, the bad, as I mentioned, like the actual casino scenes were just like they were means to an end. Really, if he could have if they could have got away and shaved off like the budget and not filmed on location and had it like he just lost at an upstairs at a CD bar. I don't know why they didn't do that because none of the casino bits (laughs) added anything really to the movie at all. Um, you know what I mean? Um, the crazy I've seen comedies as of late that hasn't made me laugh out loud, physical human laughter as when I saw the child Elvis. (laughs) Do you know who that is? No,
2: it's Bruno Mars. What? Mm, yeah. yeah,
0: That's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, like I was, he seven years old, I think, when he did it. <laughs> something. Yeah,
0: I, I literally laughed. I laughed hard. <laughs> at, like, like, I was just like, I just wasn't expecting it at all. Like, obviously, they because they had um, Asian Elvis and then Black Elvis, <laughs> and then they obviously went <laughs> then they went Bruno Mars Elvis. So there we go. <laughs> mm,
1: excellent. Uh, my good, the Elvis soundtrack. You're always going to get a thumbs up from me if you put an Elvis same track, and after knowing like after seeing Wild at Heart and knowing that Cage is a fan of the King as well, even going as far as marrying his daughter, it was quite nice to have that. But it does make me long for that Cage as Elvis film that we mentioned previously that we're never going to get now. Uh, the bad, I've got a few like niggly issues, nothing major. James Kahn is too old for this film. He looks out of place next to Cage and Sarah Jessica Parker. It just stretches believability a little bit too much. Sarah Jessica Parker's character, she's given such little to work with. Her decision-making is inconsistent. She looks a bit of a moron, to be perfectly honest, which I don't think works. And also Vegas. Give me something a little bit more vegas Like you said, Matt, those casino scenes weren't – they looked like they were filmed in someone's back room, like they didn't really look like a casino. Mm. Give me something a little bit more seedy, like you expect from Vegas. Uh, the crazy that I've got, the director, his last credit was for writing 2003's The In-Laws, uh, Albert Brooks, Michael Douglas film with Ryan Reynolds. 19 years later, his next writing credit is due out later this year. Blazing Samurai. It's an animated film based on Bergman's first film, Blazing Saddles. Oh, yes. So it's it's all gone full circle for him, which I think is pretty cool. And also, it felt like a little bit of a Cage's Greatest Hits kind of a film. So he flies into Vegas on a plane, like in Con Air. You've got the Elvis link, which obviously, wild at heart, and his now ex-wife. Vegas set, like Leaving Las Vegas. And he's on an airplane, like in Left Behind. So we get all of the best cage things. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> so, did you enjoy this film, Stu? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Re- really, really enjoyed it. I don't know why, <laughs> <laughs> but look, look, we said it, it was. It was the film version of nice slippers. Mm. Funny, funny nice slippers as well, like with little faces on them. That yeah, it's it's humorous and you can giggle away. Do it. You don't have to. You don't have to think and watch it. And, like concentrate or anything like that it's it's background noise but it is really really enjoyable background noise
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely matt
0: i don't think i've ever wanted like a no comment answer so much on the films that we've done so far because it feels harsh to say no i didn't enjoy it <laughs> but i can't go out of my way and say it's brought me unbridled joy either I just don't know. Like, it's so (laughs) 50-50 for me. I'll I'll say yes to make Stu happy because I like Stu. (laughs) There we go. That's all I can can do.
1: Mm. I mean, like, this is very much the kind of film I would generally say, no, I hated it, but I really didn't. I enjoyed (laughs) myself. Like, as you said, Matt, the the runtime was just about right. Any more, I'd probably have been a bit peeved, but it was fun and sweet enough to just be an enjoyable romp it didn't outstay its welcome and it's available for free on youtube as well which is a rare thing to happen i would say give it a watch to be perfectly honest if you get the chance there is definitely worse films out there and like you said earlier like it doesn't push boundaries but that's not necessarily a bad thing on the balance it it was fine yeah i'd I'd give it a, a pass uh, but based on this film and this film alone, was Cage good or bad? Matt?
0: Yeah, I think he was good because I think he, he he threw himself into this. You know, as he gets more dishevelled as the film goes on, <laughs> like, he gets more panicked and frantic and, and, and everything as, as the film goes on. So, uh, yeah, I think he actually put in a pre, pretty pretty good performance, one of his better ones.
1: Yeah. Stu? Yeah, totally. I mean,
2: it, there was a... Fit. As, as he goes more and more crazy, the crazy cage does appear at times, which is, which is glorious to see this early in the year.
1: Yeah, he is a good actor
2: mm. in this one. I
1: have to agree completely. I think, as the kids say, he knows the assignment. Like He knew what was expected of him. He got in there. He gave that performance. He was funny. He was... Um, likeable, like you you genuinely rooted for him, you wanted him to be the one to come out on top at the end of it he felt like a man at the the edge of his wire sort of thing like he was almost crazy cage, like he was right at the border I appreciated that, I thought it was a good all round performance from Nick so finish the sentence, if you enjoyed Honeymoon in Vegas, you might also like
0: Matt If you enjoyed Honeymoon in Vegas, you may also like Very Bad Things from 1998. Um, Very Bad Things is a Vegas story, um, black comedy, crime, you know, definitely like an 18, I don't watch it with your kids kind of film, (laughs) Um, but it's, it's, it's fun and violent. To the point of silliness, though. Um, Christian Slater, Cameron Diaz, Favreau, and Jeremy Piven are your stars in it. Um, and it starts off basically stag party goes wrong. They kill a stripper, and it's about <laughs> trying to hide it. And it all goes horribly wrong and gets progressively worse as they try and hide it from um, the uh, the bride to be. Um, but it's it's it, I mean it screams late 90s early 2000s it's not like a american pie type film at all but it's a fun watch um and it's um you know it's quite entertaining i mean the cover is christian schlater holding um a bloody chainsaw um something that pretty much tells you everything you need to know about the film (laughs) and the kind of direction it goes in really
1: that's a really good choice i haven't seen that film for years it's good fun as well
0: it is. It's, it's. It's. It's the Hangover before the Hangover was the Hangover. Yeah. Um. It's the Hangover if if Short the Dead had been created at the same time, maybe <laughs> in a strange way. I don't know how that works, yeah. but um, I'm probably going to watch it tonight, if not tomorrow, because thinking about it and reading more into it just to give my little like my little upon it. I can't remember. I remember how much I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I haven't thought about that film for. Nearly two decades, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also the director. It's the same director who did the rundown Welcome to the Jungle, the rock, one of the Rock's early films with Sean William Scott, hmm. which is a cracking movie. Stu, if you enjoyed... What's the film called? Honeymoon in Vegas. <laughs> I'll try that again. If you enjoyed Honeymoon in Vegas, you may also like... For and madness
2: and... Unbelievability of things There's something about Mary
1: Okay, I, I can see that The, the yeah. farce nature of it Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm. as it went Say for the last hour of this The last hour was very similar to that kind of Wacky, kind of massively over the top None of this is believable um, But it's fun anyway Kind of stuff from There's something about Mary and, and again, something I haven't watched for a long, long time
1: mm. Top choice Uh, My recommendation is Showgirls. (laughs) I've gone for sort of like a similar vibe to Matt in that it shows the seedier underbelly of Vegas, like that darker side. It's ridiculous and over the top and dumb to the point of actually being quite funny, but it does have this underlying message that probably got missed when it was released 25 years ago or however long it was. And it is due a reappraisal because it is a much better film than... I think, people thought of back in 95, I think, when it was Mm. released. So that's another Nick Cage movie in the record books. If you've seen this one or any of the others, please get in contact. And it's cagefightingpod at gmail.com on the emails. Twitter and Instagram is at cagefightingpod for all your questions, responses to our polls, and anything and everything, really. Obviously, make sure you've got to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And if you could leave us a review, that would be phenomenal. And finally, for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye?
0: Stay safe in the world, boys and girls, and look after yourselves.
1: Stu, would you like to say goodbye?
2: I hope you're all wearing shorts by now. It's more than warm enough. ta
1: And it's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. Um. back.